You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, the uh, plan for today is very, very simple. We are going to cover the OTAs. We're going to go back to the chronological because it, it really just makes more sense and all that stuff. I, I will say this was probably the best public practice that we've had. Um, obviously, with every good play is a negative part of that play every touchdown is a touchdown given up by the defense etc etc so i i guess in a sense the only real bad practices are when people are just making mistakes false starts this out of the other and there i guess there were quite a few of those but even false starts are because jordan loves cadence was able to draw everybody off which is a good thing so um still from my perspective i think especially when you look at the um the people that matter, specifically the most important person on the team, Jordan Love, is a good day. Um, so that's going to be the plan. I'm hoping that's going to take all day or at least close to it. Uh, we do have a lot of locker room uh, interviews to get to as well as Matt LaFleur's press conference. But I'm hoping, um, given the long dead period that we have coming up, that we can save that for tomorrow. Maybe we'll grab a couple of them because, um, you know, those things tend to take a while. But with that practice, that is the, um, I'm trying to get the terminology here, that is the last OTA. However, there is mandatory minicamp that is June 13th, 14th, and 15th. So, you know, let's just say we get one more week and you got to be there. But after that three-day stint, and hopefully we get some kind of insights, at least a couple uh, um, press conferences, something of that nature, because then we got a solid month and a half until um, until we really get anything, which is sad, but at the same time, it's going to be pretty awesome. But without further adieu, let's rip through, um, I guess, yesterday or two days ago's uh, OTA practice. First relevant note, I guess, would be um, they had Christian Watson working with the kick returners along with Dobbs, Reed, Nixon, and Aaron Jones. Now, I know that that's probably not going to be a thing, but I really, thank you, I really, really don't want that to be a thing. 
Here's what I'll say. As much as I'm excited about Christian Watson, there is one thing that always makes me nervous about Christian Watson, and that is he is not a comfortable and sure-handed catcher. I know we all know he has drop issues, but if you watch almost any one of his catches, it, it reminds me of, what, a year ago and beyond? Anytime there was a kickoff and you just hold your breath and go, please. That's how I feel every time I watch Christian Watson catch. It's, it's not natural. He never catches the ball, and he almost always catches it, but it always looks a little weird. I don't want Christian Watson to go down the road of Amari Rodgers, where he ends up becoming a kick returner, because once he catches it, he's really talented, but he starts putting it on the ground, he starts losing his confidence, and he starts getting hated by the fan base and mocked by the rest of the world. Let's just not go down that path. Let's just not worry about it, all right? Even on this video, if you go back and watch it, Christian Watson, he kind of double catches it. I know it's not a big thing, and I know it's probably not going to be a thing. I just, I just hate that with an absolute passion. And, and if it ever comes to that with a bunch of injuries, just find somebody else. Then there's a video not too long later, Paul Brettel put up, and it's uh, Jaden Reed doing, and it just looks so much more natural. He doesn't double catch it, right? He runs up, he grabs it, and he gets running, and that's it. And it's like, you know what? Just, I'm good with Reed, and I'm obviously good with Nixon. I just, you know, I just... Don't want that. Uh, DeBose, Wicks, Levitt, and Hansen without helmets during the team stretching period. Tucker Kraft back at practice today. Tell you what, it was really good to see him. We've been seeing Musgrave run around, and obviously Musgrave is a much more fluid athlete. He looks like a wide receiver. And as exciting as that is, that's not going to automatically make me think that he's going to be super great because I've seen tight ends look like wide receivers before. Now, granted, they're not usually as big as Musgrave. That's kind of the point. But the point is... Tight ends are not wide receivers. If the goal is you want your tight end to look like a wide receiver, you go draft a wide receiver. But they've got these, you know, six foot two, two hundred and forty-five pound tight ends or whatever that look f like fluid at you. Go, yeah, they're. I mean, they're bigger wide receivers. But with Tucker Craft, again, he's not as smooth, but he is scary when he's running. And I didn't honestly see that a ton when he was in college. But you can just see, you know, for example, I I wouldn't enjoy tackling anybody in the nfl but if you said i'll give you a hundred bucks to tackle one of these guys after they catch it i would take a swing at at uh musgrave tucker craft would snap my neck it's not worth a hundred bucks i'd just die i mean you can just see the violence that he runs with i remember playing football this one time against uh some friends of mine in high school and one of these guys was a big i mean we were all kind of big into the gym but he was really big into the gym had some you know aj Dillon thighs and so I thought, well, he's running right at me. I got to go low. Well, I went low as his leg was coming up and his thigh hit me right in the head and I got knocked clean out. <laughs> I, did, I saw stars and got up a couple seconds later and watched him uh, stroll his way into the end zone. But that's, that's um, like one-tenth of what I think Tucker Craft would do. Uh, they had DeGuara doing some fullback drills, which makes sense. That's part of his job. It's kind of an interesting thing. They had... Um, Paul Brettel posted Samori Ture running the route. Wes Hodkowitz had Christian Watson running the route. And then Brettel put up Jaden Reed. All three of them ran the same route. And it's interesting because you get a little snippet of each one of their styles. Right? Samori Ture clearly doesn't have the speed of the other two guys. He doesn't have the route running. You know, he looks a little kind of clumsy getting up to speed. And the, the you know, how do I try to get around the coach who's standing there? It, it's not quite as smooth. But his coming out of his break... Because I guess you'd call it a comeback route, like a curl route, but to the outside. But there's different facets to it because there's a, again, there's a coach there. So they're trying to shimmy shake the guy and then get to the outside. And then just as you get him to 
you know, flip his hips, that's when you gear down and come back, right? So Samore, and maybe it's because he's not moving as fast, but if you count their steps, Samore, I think, was about four steps. ba 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 boom and then turn around. Watson, surprisingly, because everyone's like, well, he, he doesn't have a route tree, he's just a straight line guy. I'm not saying everyone, but that's sort of the... the you would think Jaden Reed would have dominated this. He was by far my favorite. Number one, because the guy just glides. I know it's just a coach and not an NFL player, but you can still see by the way that they react. His ability to get up to speed and just glide past somebody is ridiculous. And again, even though they're slightly bigger steps because he's a bigger human being, about four steps... And then he comes back out of his route, and he's got such a big range because he's a massive human being. He's able to just launch out and, and grab a pass so that, you know, with that big of a radius, you can throw it way away from where the defender is. With Jaden, and I'm sure this is just a coaching point, it's not that he can't do it. I counted about seven steps, and I've seen him do this before. This is why it's really hard to count him, but it, it takes way too long. You want to try to get your foot in the ground and come back as quickly as you possibly can. And there just seem to be a lot of like, and then turn around and come back. Now, the, the funny thing is, he is shot out of a cannon, so when he finally does come back around, the ball is kind of thrown away from him, and he's got that, again, that second gear where he kind of comes out of it, and then the ball is a little farther away from him, he's like, oh, I got another gear for that, launches over and goes and grabs it. He's such a natural mover. I mean, so, again, there's a coach kind of standing in front of you, so you're running straight, and then you a very, very slight break to the outside to get him to flip his hit, the coach's hips to the right. He is by far the smoothest in terms of changing direction, at least in, you know, not quite turning all the way around. But when you're talking, you know, post route, corner route, running those types of angles, 45, or in this case, not even, so unbelievably smooth. And again, his get up to speed, um, he probably gets up to speed faster than any of the other three guys. Watson, he, very fast, but he's a little bit more of a strider. But that, that was my only real knock, because I've seen him do it a couple times. And, and again, I don't think it's something he can't control. I mean, it's possible. Maybe maybe, maybe there's just too much speed, like in this particular route, um, because you know you're turning around. You don't need to get your full gear up, and if, especially if it's causing you to, to take that much time to come around, because, you know, a DB can catch up to you at that point while you're taking steps five, six, and seven. So just a minor thing. I think it's a coaching thing. I love Jaden Reed, extremely smooth. But it was, again, it was just funny to see the different styles. Again, Samari Turi was the best in terms of like coming, you know, quickly gearing down and turning around. Again, that may just because he, he was going with the least amount of velocity, but it was good to see. So it would be kind of cool to see more of this, like line up all the guys and have them run a route and just see how it looks. But yeah, there's more videos of, of the tight ends, and, and that would just be the biggest characterization. I mean, Luke Musgrave is like Christian Watson. He, he is the tight end equivalent of Christian Watson. Maybe you'd have to be like 6'7 or 6'8, but <laughs> he, he is just so... He's a, a strider, but he gets up to speed fast, and he's just so fluid, you know? He's not quite as sharp. I mean, he's, he's a tight end, so maybe he is sort of the equivalent of Jaden Reed Sharp, but he's just so smooth, and he gets down the field so fast. And then you look at those videos of Tucker Craft, and it's not the same thing, but you watch his his knees just pumping, and it just looks like a freight train coming down the field. It's it's just horrifying. So I, I cannot wait. I just cannot wait. And they both seem to have really good hands. I mean, it's not like last year when it's like, oh boy, Watson's got some drop issues, and Dobbs is having some drop issues, and I'm just not so sure. And even, even the guys that they've been drafting, I mean, there's kind of a, a history of that, but... I mean, these guys, when you just watch them, not to say that they'll never have any issues, but they just look so natural. You know, the, the way they run their routes, just the, the late hands, just, you know, they're, they're not catching it with their body. It's just their hands. Granted, tight ends have massive hands generally, but 
Yeah, they make it look easy. It's easy and it's effortless, and they just they catch the ball and they get north and south. And I just I love watching these tight ends. I mean, it's just so different than what we've seen. And granted, we haven't had a great um, sample size here. No offense to the guys we've had, but we we just we've never had this. I don't think ever. Guys that are this big, this fast, this fluid, this talented. It's just it's never been a thing. So um, especially Musgrave. It's not to say that guys like that don't exist. You know, I saw, as I mentioned before, I think the, the Sam Laporta video from the Detroit Lions, I thought he looked real smooth. Now, he's sort of a third category in between these two. He's not as fast and as smooth, uh, I shouldn't say smooth, he's not as fast and tall as Musgrave, but that dude is a, is a clean route runner. So he, he would be kind of in between, I would say, Musgrave and, and what we have in Tucker Craft. And, you know, I, I got to be honest, I know, that, again, these are just coaches they're going up against we'll get a little bit of a better look in training camp and, and some of this other stuff but i think watson really looks impressive um you know again the, the characterization and i i don't know exactly what packer fans think but um you know it, it even in my own mind to some degree he's mostly just a speed threat he, he's unbelievably fast getting behind people and of course coming across the field in pretty much in any facet i mean that speed can kill you but you watch him come off the line against these guys. It's pretty impressive. And I actually, I think it was the senior bowl last year. Or one of the bowls. I don't know. But he was there. And I remember watching him. It was in the red zone somewhere. And he made some kind of a cut that was just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, again, we're talking red zone. We're talking goal line. This is short yardage. This is not an area where speed's going to get you. But it it's... <sighs> Again, I, it's always dangerous saying Devontae because these guys are not Devontae. But there is a Devontae-esque attribute and and a big part of it is and, and and watson and reed both have this it's that sort of shot out of a cannon type of speed so you know with Devonte, he would kind of do his little hop and then boom he's gone watson had a little bit of that in this in this play that i'm watching where he, he kind of hops to his right and then just bursts he just explodes in the other direction and by the time the quote-unquote db and again i understand it's a coach but still by the time the person there even flips their hips he's gained so much ground and then the ball ends up, you know, he just kind of runs a, a dig route and the ball's high and he just skies up and gets it because he's a massive human being. Anyways, pretty good note here from Andy Herman. He's got the three lines right now. So first string, second string, and third string, which is good because it kind of gives us an idea of what's what. So we we got the, um, I'm, I'm just thrown off by something here. So this isn't exactly the case because this, anyways... Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, John Runyon, and then Yash instead of Zach Tom. Now, this probably could have been flipped a, a different kind of a way, but I think by giving Yash that opportunity, because usually it's been Zach Tom, but now they're going to let Yash kind of take those first reps, they ended up putting Zach Tom at center in the second string. So that's where things get a little bit goofy. But anyways, then the next starting left tackle is Caleb Jones, which is I think what it was before, followed by Sean Ryan at left guard, Zach Tom at center, um, Royce Newman at guard and Tenuta at right tackle. I think part of this is because we do have a lot of tackles. So we want to see Tom at center a little bit. We want to try to see if we have another center, if we even have a, a viable backup without moving Jenkins inside. Um, but yeah, we, we just kind of have a lot of tackles. So putting Tom inside gives some other guys some opportunities. But it is interesting because, um, you know, even if you look over at our lads, plus what he did last year, I thought he did a pretty good job. But um, Rashid Walker is not exactly where I thought he would be. Um, again, Caleb Jones would be ahead of him. 
as is in this instance, not that this is anything set in stone, but I find it interesting, Tenuta at right tackle. Now, maybe they just rather have Walker at left because in the third string, that is where they had him. They had him as the next left tackle, followed by DeLance at left guard, Scaife at center, Philagia, which is feels dangerous to say, and then Telford at right tackle. So um, for those of you that are getting an early jump on that 53-man roster, um, at the very least, well, first of all, it's nice to see Sean Ryan, at least with the second team this year, because I don't even think he cracked second team last year, although he was pretty terrible in this practice. It was like the one downside of this whole freaking practice with Sean Ryan. I just, oh, I want him to be good so bad. I really do. But anyways, I think it is the uh, consistent putting of Caleb Jones on that second string left tackle spot that I find to be pretty interesting. I mean, it could be Royce. You know what I mean? Royce could be playing tackle. Could be Zach Tom. You know, you could just have Yash or Tom or whoever doing second string tackle. But Jones has pretty consistently been that guy, and that's ahead of Walker, who has been consistently. And again, this may rotate, and maybe it's just they they consistently rotate day to day, and we just keep catching them on this particular day. Because remember, they're practicing, well, at least three days a week. We only catch them one of those three days. But that's one of the battles of, of... guys that I find to be interesting because Caleb Jones and Rashid Walker, I think we're both in the limited amount of time. We saw them pretty impressive the last year. And it seems like Jones has, uh, had a bit of a, a foothold on Walker. Seems, I don't know. Um, starting offense outside of that, you had love, obviously Jones, obviously Dobbs and Watson at wide receiver. And then they had DeGuara first followed by Musgrave. I'm guessing this was just a, uh, uh, 12 personnel because it was Love, Jones, DeGuara, Musgrave, and then Dobbs and Watson. But keeping DeGuara out front by a hair, uh, again, I don't expect that to stay. Although, again, it doesn't really matter because they're different kinds of tight ends. DeGuara will be the number one H back, etc., etc. So uh, nothing super earth-shattering there. Bakhtiari did start left tackle in 11-on-11, so that's kind of cool that he was participating in that. Also, what I've been waiting for for some time, um, I put it up on Twitter. I thought a bunch of people were going to lash out at me uh, for for a seemingly stupid comment but i knew listeners would understand where i was coming from lucas van ness got his snaps with the ones finally across from preston smith so again they're, they're probably been pretty heavy rotation and we just been catching them at a weird time but i have a feeling once van ness steps into that role he's not stepping back you know it's, it's maybe some kind of a formality maybe he's just not up on things and it's kind of like one of those hey you got to be in your book a little bit more i need to see more from you before i give you that opportunity but we're just kind of dying to hand it to you kind of thing i don't really know what it is but um he stepped up in there i think he was pretty dominant as we'll see in a minute and um yeah i don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of other combinations outside of this because Let's be honest, Van Ness is that dude. Starting defense was Van Ness, Clark, Slayton, and Smith. Again, uh, and Slayton had a pretty good day. I think Wyatt did too, but I find it, um, I guess I'll just say disappointing. And I, I listen, please understand that I understand with every single thing that I say, I fully understand it's OTAs and we don't need to read too much into it. However, they still have decisions to make, and I would love it if the decision that they made is Clark and Wyatt are clearly the ones and twos, because Wyatt is a freaking madman. But I think it's been pretty consistent, and I understand the, the formation matters, right? If if it's a more, if you want a more run-heavy front, Slayton's going to be your guy, and, and there's going to be those kinds of rotations, I get that. I, I, I just wish there was a stronger commitment to Wyatt 
Um, not saying that the coaches need to commit. I'm just saying I wish Wyatt was, I guess, deserving of that role because he was just so dominant. But I just haven't seen that like firm commitment to, yeah, he's definitely our guy yet, whatever. Anyways, um, yeah, Van Ness, Clark, Slayton Smith, Quay and Campbell, and then again, Ballantyne, Nixon, Shamar, Jean Charles, and then Savage and Ford. Uh, shortly thereafter, Devontae Wyatt gets work back in. And this this is what I want. Like, So you're off the field to start things. Then they bring you in, and then you make a play, right? So it was within minutes of getting the starting defense that included Slayton over Wyatt. Wes Hodkowitz tweeted out, Devontae Wyatt is back, just worked his way in the backfield for a pressure. And this is, you know, this is starting offensive line, and this is a top three pass blocking offensive line. Again, I get it. But you know those guys are trying, right? It's not like, eh, I don't care. I want the defense to look good instead of me. No, that's not a thing. So I'm real excited that Wyatt is, I mean, we know he's just a freaking madman. I'm hoping he can uh, just continue that. Uh, Anthony Johnson Jr., beautiful diving pass breakup in the middle of the field. Etling on the pass, great play by the rookie. So I understand we're talking Etling, so we're talking probably third string. But it's good to see it because Anthony Johnson I haven't heard a ton about so far. And I'm pretty excited to see if he can maybe work his way up through the safety ranks and, and maybe getting himself a job here. Wyatt gets into the backfield, has what may have been a sack live. Then it says TJ Slayton and Devontae Wyatt each blow up a play in the backfield against a starting offense during first portion of 11-on-11. Packers will need a lot more of that this season. A.J. Dillon with a few nice runs off the left side early in practice. Just like last week, Tavarius Moore taking snaps next to Savage with the ones. So that's been happening happening pretty regularly. It starts off with Savage and Ford. And then relatively quickly, Tavarius Moore comes in to replace Rudy Ford to kind of see where they're sitting, I guess. Next note says, Wyatt bursts into the backfield again. Need that, need that, need that. Now Ford and Owens out there together. So we're talking about the safety group. That's Rudy Ford and Jonathan Owens. So those are the top four guys, I believe. Or Jonathan Owens is the guy we went out and acquired from Houston. Tarvarius Moore is who we acquired from San Francisco. And then, you know, we got Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage who were back from last year. Anthony Johnson would be in that sort of third string. Again, hopefully working his way up. I think Dallin Levitt also would be in that third string, but he is currently, I think, walking around in sweatpants. And then after that, we got Innes Gaines and Benny Sapp. Uh, Paul Brettel again, Jaden Reed has spent a lot of these practices in the slot, but taking some boundary snaps today. So the other reason I really like this particular OTA is because pretty much everything that I said on the last podcast came to fruition, right? Where's uh, Lucas Van Ness taking first string snaps? It happened. Jaden Reed, I don't think is just going to be a slot guy. They, They slowly are moving him out of the slot and into the boundary. Next note, Lucas Van Ness with a nice effort against Royce Newman to help stop Aaron Jones for no gain. So that's that's a big thing, too. And I know Royce is not exactly uh, David Bakhtiari, but, you know, if you're going to start getting some first-string reps or, or whatever, you got to start making an impact, and he has been. Play action to the right. Reed works back to the left. Easy catch in the flat and turns up field. Great vision and burst from Tyler Goodson. Continues to impress with the ball in his hands. I am a huge Tyler Goodson fan, and I'm excited to see a lot of other people are. Um, it seemed to me that... I felt like I was all by myself when I was a Tyler Goodson fan and everyone else liked Patrick Taylor, um, and I feel like he's maybe fallen out of the good graces a little bit. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm hoping Tyler Goodson continues to uh, impress and can get himself a more consistent role. Also excited to see what Lou Nichols can do at some point. Oh, man, we're already we're already into this. Wow. Why don't we go ahead and take a break? Um, 
real quick because I just saw this and I'm extremely grateful to all of you. I um, made my plea for Patreon aside from just my normal patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy thing. Just letting you guys know where things are at and hoping that you guys would be uh, willing to support the show. You can do it for as little as $1 per month. Anyways, um, thank you very, very, very much to Kyle Riley, Mike Lazuski, Tom, and Michael Arbisi. Thank you four very much, uh, four in one day, for jumping in and uh, helping push the numbers in the opposite direction. For the first time in a long time, everything says plus. They give these little summaries, and every month I swear it's negative. Last month was uh, no different. Going to be a good month, but thank you guys. Uh, also, if you want to support a good cause, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, you can find them at FertileGroundRanch.org. We'll take a break. We'll come back and continue doing what we're doing. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two great hard counts by Jordan Love to get the defense to tip their hand on a corner blitz. Love negates the pressure, rolls right, looks to hit Musgrave in the hand for a would-be touchdown, but the pass falls incomplete, looks like a drop from afar. 
followed by Jordan Love, Romeo Dobbs, touchdown. Beautiful corner route and pass by 10. Really nice play in the back corner of the end zone. This one was talked about quite a bit, including Romeo Dobbs in the locker room. Everybody's kind of pressing him about it. Uh, great catch by Romeo Dobbs. A couple other notes here. Red zone ends with Romeo Dobbs showing crazy hands on a deep corner for a touchdown in the end zone. Contested, still looked it in. So just interrupting here real quick to let you know the audio is about to get a little jacked up. I didn't notice it until later. I'm not going to re-record it. Just know that I caught it at some point and, and fixed it. I don't know how I fixed it. It just went away. Stupid equipment being stupid. What can you do? But uh, here we go. Perfect toss to the back left corner of the end zone from Love to Dobbs for a touchdown during red zone. Dobbs snatched it away from Gaines to make the catch. And then um, the more popular tweet, it's all about what you say. If you guys could have just seen the ball Jordan Love threw to Romeo Dobbs in the corner of the end zone and the hands on 87 to hang on to it, heavily contested for the touchdown, had the whole Packers offense excited, best ball of the day. Kingsley and Igbari with back-to-back nice plays and run defense. That's an area that he needs to improve in. Good sign for 55. As the Packers gets further into OTAs, we're starting to see the versatility this offense has with quite a few different alignments for many of the players. Which is cool and also kind of important to remember as we kind of go through this and and kind of grumble and groan about a lot of things. They're barely even scratching the surface of the playbook. And remember, the coaches are also trying to deliberately get these guys to fail. (laughs) They're stress testing their team. Next note, Love's hard count has been fantastic. Unfortunately, he's gotten his own offensive line a couple times. Second false start already. I don't mind that so much. <laughs> I really don't. If his hard count is uh, is doing that well, that's impressive. We just got to get the offensive line to tighten it up a little bit. Back-to-back pass breakups by Carrington Valentine while covering Romeo Dobbs near the end zone. Love to see that as well for the rookie. That, was, that last part was my note. A little bit more in-depth on that. Andy Herman says Carrington Valentine with a nice close on the ball and coverage on Romeo Dobbs. Ball hit Dobbs in the hands, but Valentine closed fast. Very next play, Valentine with fantastic coverage and a pass breakup on Dobbs in the end zone. Great stuff from the rookie. That time it was him. Jeff Cotton uh, catches a crosser in the end zone from Etling, but Chris Slayton likely would have had a sack. He's had some nice rushes today. One of of the most annoying things, (laughs) and I understand these guys, you can't tweet out absolutely everything, but what drives me nuts is when, you know, I'm I'm following 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 different people that are there at camp, and you get a note from the first time anybody has said anything about a player, and part of the comment is, He's had a lot of good plays today. <laughs> what? According to nobody. But again, you're, you're watching all these plays. Some things don't maybe feel tweetable. And then there's kind of that straw that breaks the camel's back moment where it's like, dude, I got to tweet about him. He's been looking good today. I'm, I, I get it. I'm just saying it always drives me nuts because I feel like I got a good handle on it. And then you realize there's so much going on that you're not seeing. Uh, Paul Brettel says, Ed Rushers have done a nice job not letting the ball carriers get outside today. As Jerry Montgomery said recently, it's going to take all 11 for the run defense to improve and play the edge uh, and the play of the edge defenders against the run is one area where the defense can improve. Kenny Clark breaks through to pressure Love on the last play of red zone. Another practice, another catch and play made in team drills by undrafted free agent Malik Heath. Probably an irrelevant thing, but if that keeps happening, just something to keep an eye on. we got Sean Clifford ripping dimes out here, says Matt Schneidman. I'm... <sighs> I just saw a video, and I'm hoping we can cover it tomorrow. We'll see how fast we get through these press conference things, I'm guessing, tomorrow. I don't even want to tell you who, because I don't want to preface it to have you go see it before we play it. But occasionally I just see things that remind me of some of the stuff he said, and it's like, you've got to be kidding. The guy is he's just so stupid. Anyways, that's for another day. Um, another Malik Heath tweet. Uh, he says, another one, deep out and toe taps along the sideline on a nice pass from Sean Clifford. So Malik making some noise. Packers sent Tariq Carpenter on a blitz from linebacker, but great pass and catch in the corner of the end zone from Clifford to Cotton, his second touchdown of the day. According to Bill Huber, it was a heck of a catch from Cotton on fourth down in two minutes. So that's pretty cool. The other good thing about following a lot of people is you get more context that kind of builds a picture. 
Sean Clifford, Clifford leads a successful two-minute with the threes, 11 plays, two nice strikes to Malik Heath, including a 24-yard corner. Jeff Cotton catches eight-yard touchdown on fourth and three to end the drill. Jordan Love on the run to his right, throws across his body. I feel, <laughs> I feel like a radio announcer. It feels kind of cool to just read these things. I know I don't sound anything like him, but as I'm reading it, I'm hearing Wayne Larrabee's voice in my head. All right, audio should be fixed now. Let's try to read that again. Jordan Love on the run to his right, throws across his body deep uh, into the end zone, over the middle, and to various more jumps in front of Christian Watson for the interception. Practice ends at that. So that's another thing that um, everybody gets really uh, hung up on to talk about some three cardinal sins thing or whatever. I don't know. But late and across the middle is a no-no. Here's the thing. I, I, I understand you don't want to see... Jordan Love doing that stuff in the regular season. But I kind of do want him to do these things in OTAs. Because I think you have to push your limits to kind of find out where your limits are. You know what I mean? Um, there was a... I was just watching... the heck is that guy's name? Kurt Warner just came out with a video covering Jordan Love. Part 1, part 2 should come out, I'm guessing, pretty soon. Um, but anyways, it was the Chiefs game. And actually, most of it was pretty positive. He liked everything about the process. Jordan Love's eyes were in the right spot. The timing, the footwork, everything for the most part seemed to be pretty good. But there was, uh, there were a couple plays, one play in particular that he threw a ball and he didn't like where the ball went. And, and honestly, if the ball was thrown a little better, it might have been okay. It would have been a real tight window. It's just an underthrown ball. But it, it's things like that that I want him to throw in OTAs so that you kind of get punched in the face a little bit, you know? I want him to have no fear in OTAs. So that when you do it, just just because there's going to be that little voice in your head that's like, the the chalkboard tells me I'm not supposed to throw this, but I think I can make it work. You know, I that that's how I am. I um, I have depressed myself so many times with food that I've made, barbecue, whatever, grilling, just because that's how I operate. I don't understand why things are the way they are, or why they can't be this way, or why they can't be that way. So I'm going to do it. And then it's not going to taste very good. And then I go, oh, okay, that's why you can't do that. But that's what it's going to take for me to, to fully understand it. Because in my mind, no, that, I don't, that should be fine. I don't get it. I, everybody says you can't. Why can't you? I don't understand. I don't want Jordan Love to have those thoughts in the back of his head. Like, I think I could do it. If you, th if you think you can do it, do it. Pull the trigger right now. Because I need you to see, with nothing on the line, why you can't do that. And then get that burned into your head so that next time you won't do that again. So that's kind of my thought on it. I understand that seeing Jordan Love throw interceptions in OTAs is disappointing. It is for me too. I'd love if it was just like, you know, Aaron Rodgers over there just throwing touchdown pass, touchdown pass, touchdown pass over there in, in, for the Jets. Which, I mean, he never even did that here. So the idea that like, oh yeah, he looks like old Aaron Rodgers. No, he doesn't. Old Aaron Rodgers throwing interceptions and all kinds of stuff. I don't know what he's doing over there with the Jets. Showing off, I think. Because again, I mean, it, it, it's probably not hard to pick on a vanilla OTA defense, which is why it's beneficial to kind of push those limits a little bit. Push your receivers, push yourself, push the limits a little bit, push your defense. I think the fear, and rightly so, is the fear that he's not just pushing it, he legitimately thinks that that's a good idea and he can do it and he's going to do that all the time in the regular season and it's going to be a disaster and da 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 But again, all the more reason for him to get that out of his system now because if he continues to do that here, he's going to continue to see why that's really stupid and hopefully at some point he's going to recognize, I know I can't do that. But he has to do it in OTAs. If he doesn't do it in OTAs, he will do it in the regular season. Also, worth noting, to various more with the pick, probably more of just love hanging it up there, but... Um, 
not a bad thing for him trying to kind of squeeze him his way into potentially that number two safety spot. Clifford, 9 of 11 for 75 yards on the series, completing his first seven passes. Then we get, uh, I'm not going to do Matt LaFleur's because that's a little bit longer, but since we do have time, we'll probably kick it over to some of the locker room stuff. So let's rip through a couple of these. We've got uh, Romeo Dobbs, A.J. Dillon, Preston Smith, Colby Wooden, Jordan Love once again. Uh, the, the funny thing about Jordan Love, the other one is Matt LaFleur. I was watching the Jordan Love uh, locker room interview, and there was this sort of like feeling in the back of my head like, oh, it's cool, we keep seeing Jordan Love. Like it has been the last couple of years where you wanted to get a taste of this guy because you want to see like if he can be a good quarterback because he might be taking over for, for Aaron Rodgers at some point. There was like a little moment where I realized, holy crap, he's a starting quarterback. <laughs> like, I know, I know he is, but it, it, it hasn't fully sunk in apparently. We're going to be seeing a ton of Jordan Love. I mean, think how much you saw Aaron Rodgers. That's about how much, I mean, maybe not quite that much because he's not going to be on the Pat McAfee show, but otherwise, like after every game, after every single thing that happens, he's going to get pushed up to the podium. We're going to be seeing a lot of Jordan Love. But why don't we start with Mr. Romeo Dobbs? I'll say this. I, I really like Romeo Dobbs' demeanor because you can tell he's a guy that, you know, everybody always says, you know, you expect perfection and all that stuff. And, but some guys kind of seem to rest. You know what I mean? They make it into the NFL and it's like, all right, I'm going to just go through the motions or whatever. But this is a guy that legitimately embodies, again, I'll keep bringing up Devontae, not for any legitimate comparisons, but just in terms of like, for Devontae, it was never that big of a deal to make a big play in OTAs. Because who cares? That's just, it's who I am. It's what I do, and it's what's expected of me. I'm expected to be a superstar because I am a megastar. Romeo Dobbs has that same mentality. Why would I make a big deal out of making a really good play? That's my job. That's what I do. If that's a big deal, I must not be very good at my job. You know what I mean? But the first question, and I won't play it, um, they asked him about that catch, that, you know, great throw, left side of the end zone. Uh, Romeo Dobbs kind of mosses a guy or whatever. I forget who it was, but comes down with the catch. And it was it was what happened. And his response was essentially, yeah, I mean, good ball, good catch. He threw it, I caught it, and that's what happened. And then nobody knew what to say. And finally, somebody comes in with a question. And the question was essentially, do plays like that break up the monotony and kind of make this fun for you? Yeah, I mean, it can, it can, be, insi- it can be exciting, you know. Um, outside looking in, I'd say it's supposed, you know, but... Um, I mean, just those are plays that's supposed to be made. Uh, I'm not the only one in this league. I mean, every every other player would agree. But, um, What's it take to be able to approach it that way? That so before we get into the next part of this, because, again, it's just kind of a further extension, essentially he's like, I, I guess I could see on the outside looking in how you would see that as being exciting. I, I guess I can see that, but those are plays that are supposed to be made. In other words, that's the ex- expectation. It doesn't matter if the ball is in a hard place for me to get it or if there's a defender there trying to rip the ball out of my hands. My job is to make sure I'm the one that gets it. So, no, I'm not going to throw a freaking parade for myself and do, I don't want to say do backflips because Christian Watson will end up doing backflips because that's what he does. But you see what I'm saying, right? It's not exactly humble. It's kind of a different thing. He, He just sets such a high bar for himself and for everybody, really, that there's no reason to celebrate that. Yeah, I contorted my body and reached over a player and ripped the ball out of his arms and held on to it and got two feet down um, because that's what NFL football players are supposed to do. I don't understand the question. 
You know what I mean? I love that demeanor from him. Anyways, continuing on. Spectacular play, the best one we've seen through OTAs. What you're supposed to. That, that's a mindset. Right? Yes. Yeah. How did you get to that? Part? So the question. So so everything you're saying is a mindset that this is how things are supposed to be. How did you get that mindset? That's your mindset. You expect yourself. Um, I mean, that's just the name of the game. Um, I mean, every other receiver will say the same thing. Uh, but again, it's exciting. I can't wait to see what the season will be like. And just, the biggest thing is just getting better every day. So. So and again, he's right. Everybody will say that, but not everybody really embodies that. You know, a lot, a lot of players, you'll bring up a play like that and they kind of get this little smirk like, yeah, that was pretty cool. Romeo's legitimately confused at the question. He's he's trying to understand why somebody would even ask the question. It, it reminds me of my grandpa Ruben. He had such a strong moral compass that when, when people would commit crimes, and it, I can't even imagine if he was alive today seeing the nonsense that's going on today, but when people would do things that were wrong, he would legitimately just get confused. He didn't understand why somebody would do something like that. And it drove him insane just trying to, like, I, like he's trying to rationally figure out, like, why would somebody do that? He was so confused. And that could be big things, it could be small things. It didn't matter. It was just, it was confusion. That's Romeo when you ask him, like, why, why aren't you excited about a big play? And he's like, uh, be. I mean, I don't understand. Like, that's that's what we do. That's what football players do. I don't, I don't... And again, the, the the humbleness comes in because he's... Some guys will be like, that's what I expect of myself. He's not saying that. He's not saying, yeah, I expect perfection, and that's what you saw was perfection. It's not this massive, like, fake humble flex. He doesn't realize, and this is probably a good thing, that some of the players in the NFL are not necessarily up to that standard. I mean, this is a guy who's going to be a wide receiver coach someday because he's going to look and have extremely high expectations for everybody. He's going to look at an undrafted free agent and expect him to be going making those kinds of plays. Because if you're in the NFL, that is what is expected of you, period. Again, he's not focusing on himself. It's not, that's what I expect of myself because I'm the greatest and I'm going to be the greatest. And if I'm going to be the greatest, I need to be making... No, if you're in this league and you can't make those plays, you don't belong in this league. Respect the heck out of this guy. And then he gets asked about, you know, we always hear about how diligent and how working and everything you are. Where did that come from? Um, it was just the way how, you know, it was just the way how I was raised. Uh, you know, I mean, I got an older brother who, uh, who, who I am continually, continually thankful for every day. You know, because he's taught me, he's taught me just the way of how to respect the game, play the game, and just have the mindset of just, you know, being the best player so his brother by the way um jermaine played cornerback at southern utah he's the one that got romeo dobbs hooked on football when he was four years old article says the lord's definitely blessed me with him because everything i learned was from him that's romeo talking about his brother jermaine he went on to say eventually i was going to have to come out here to college and grow on my own so whenever things didn't go my way, whether it was in a harsh way, he had to be on me. Or if it was just me talking to him, being able to figure out and just get advice and learn, then elevate from there. He also went on to, to talk about, he says, I learned, the senior, uh, I learned Senior Bowl week that I can compete with anybody, whether you go to Alabama, if you go to Penn State. I'm just a kid who comes up from the city of L.A. who's got a chip on his shoulder. So I think, uh, so I think up into that, I just knew that I had to give my best shot out there. And I thought I did great at doing that because I got some, I got some people's attention. It almost has a Kenny Clark vibe to it. Quiet guy, hardworking guy, talented guy, coming out of L.A., 
And he's just got a chip on his shoulder trying to prove that he can do it. Anyways, we'll skip ahead to the final question here a little bit. Um, question, how would you compare yourself to last year? How would you characterize um, the, the difference, I guess? Um, growth. I've definitely learned a lot from my first year. And it's only up from here of, you know, what happens in my second year. So, Anyways, um, I am going to leave it at that tomorrow. As I said, we've got some other interviews to go through, including Matt LaFleur's along with Jordan Love, Colby Wooden, Preston Smith, and A.J. Dillon. And then um, hopefully get through that pretty quick. If we can't, we can't. But um, I really want to get into this video I saw. There's there's a couple that um, I guess kind of annoyed me a little bit that I've been watching. But this one just absolutely made me insane, and i got to get it off my chest. But uh, we'll get there when we get there. You guys have a good rest of your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.